up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK on basically every carb powder you can think of, every protein powder you can think of, micronized creatine, literally everything else and all the flavors in the world. Hit me up if you have any questions about them. Like I said, use our code THINK to help support our programming. Uh, we're brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. You can get your lab work done by Dave. Uh, he needs help in Liverpool, but you can go to London from 7 to 3 on Wednesdays and Thursdays. You can go to oh, Manchester. On <laughs> We're brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition. For those of you in the UK, great health supplements, great health stacks, and some performance stuff too. And we're brought to you by supplementsource.ca for Canadians. Great deals that change week to week. Thank you to everybody from Patreon. I've got Patreon questions today. Dave, welcome back to the show. Our last episode did really well. They left us like probably a thousand questions. So we've got our work cut out for us today. Mm. What on earth are you drinking out of? This is an oversized coffee cup. For I use this coffee cup almost every time we've done this show, and you're just now noticing it. Are you sure you haven't stolen that out of your mother's china cabinet? <laughs> yeah, no, it actually has a saucer to it, too. Could you get any more gay without being gay? <laughs> That's not a bad thing, by the way, guys, just to no, throw it out well, there. Just, we do have a lot of gay listeners, all right? So I, I have nothing with, with the gay community, but I'm sure our gay listeners will be like, yes, <laughs> Scott, you're really one of us. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's dive into this thing uh, before, you, uh, before you get us uh, canceled and uh, banned from the platform. Um, for real, you guys left us a ton of listener questions on the last episode. Uh, we're going to try to knock through as many of them as we can. But if we don't get to it, then comment on this next show and we'll do our very best. Also, Patreon questions get priority. Question for you. Um, I've seen some cycles for strongman in powerlifting um, where they linearly, lin linear, <laughs> linearly, thank you, uh, increase the doses uh, into the show. Um, does this approach make sense? And if so, what ramping rate should strength athletes use? I don't think there's a set rate, but yes, it does make sense. The thing with any high dose cycle is if you're high early on in a cycle, by the time you get to the end of the cycle, the negatives generally outweigh the positives. So, and because powerlifting and strongman is about the day's performance, whereas bodybuilding, though there is an element of performance on the day, it's not in the same effort. You're not max effort in anything. Yeah. Turn up, posing on stage is, is quite strenuous. But, um, so you, you're looking to try and peak your strength and your performance all at the same time, which doesn't always work. Is, is the honest answer. So if you if you peak your drugs too early or you go high from the offset, the chances are the time you get to the show. I like to call it androgen fatigue. I don't know if that's a proper term or not. It's just, for me, it's, you start to see this development of tiredness, bodily fatigue and bodily stress building up in somebody because of their long-term exposure to androgens. So you can ramp. Um, personally, 
If we're doing, it will all depend on the show peaks and how many show peaks we have. Because what you tend to do with powerlifting and strongman is you'll be hitting multiple shows and very often quite in close succession to each other. Um, and obviously you want to keep peaking performance for each show. So if, if I've only got one or two peaks, then I will probably start to drive up a little bit further out and take a bit more time. If I've got three or four in the lot of time that we're covering, then there'll probably be shorter peaks than there may only be two or three week run-ups where I'll push androgens high. Uh, bringing stuff like test suspension, men, oxys, those sort of compounds. And literally, yes, it's a case of the dose gets more aggressive week on week. And then post-show, there would be a drop-off. Yeah. You might have a week or two weeks of, of a, um, not quite a cruise, but that sort of theory. And then you'd ramp up to the next show and then drop off and then ramp up to the next show. And this allows the body to have some coping mechanisms with the stress that's going to come from the higher androgens moving in. Um, like I say, if it's a single show, you could probably start further out and do a slower incline up. Um, if, it, if it's uh, multiple shows, there will tend to be shorter ramps and, and more aggressive just because the overall time we're going to be allowing to be exposed to anabolics is still fairly set. We don't want to be on for months and months at a time. And, and I've had this conversation, in fact, this week with a strong man who's got multiple shows to peak for. And I've just said, you've got to pick your favorite too, hmm. because you may be on for the other ones, but you may have only been on two weeks for the first one. And yeah. you know, <laughs> your last week for the last one. So pick the ones that are important because they're the ones we're going to peak for. Yeah. Same thing with bodybuilding contests. If my game plan is going to be, say, let's, let's say we have a show uh, that's in the middle of July and then we have a national show that's at the end of July, uh, say two, three weeks later, my game plan is going to be to peak for that second show. So I'm not starting a fast acting compound six weeks out from the first show. I'm starting six weeks out from the second show. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? We're still getting those benefits going into that first contest, but we're still building our way up into that second that second contest. And that's where I think that faster acting compounds come in hand, uh, come mm -hmm. in handy. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, a suspension, like test suspension or orals like Anadrol. I think that that's a good place for those things. Ment acetate, Trent acetate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things along those lines. But then I would also have longer acting compounds running in the background through that whole thing, you know? Yeah, I, I tend to default to a sort of test decker or test mass with a bit of decker, depending on where they are joint-wise and such like. So we might be doing old school test decker background, and then we'll drop in some some trenace or some test suspension or whatever we choose, depending on how they feel. But also to an element on where they are. Are they on target? Are they behind? Are they in front? You know, yeah. if they're in front of their projected lifts, then do we really need to be aggressive for this first show? Maybe we'll do a, a lighter run into it because we just don't need the drugs. We're already sort of where we need to be. You're already lifting at comp weight. Yeah. Uh, especially if we're looking at a qualifier scenario. And this is the thing that's always been with, with, with powerlifting, uh, and to an ex, not quite strong man, but with powerlifting, generally qualifying is weight-based. It's based on the weight you lift. So if you're going into a qualifier knowing that you're already capable of achieving the qualifying weights, 
you can back off a little bit if if you're playing the long game and focus your energies and your toxicities around the main event. Though with a strongman, because it's a competition qualify, it's not a um, achievement qualify. You've still got to sort of be able to perform at the level that's going to guarantee you go through. Mm. And I've seen guys in bodybuilding before now where they've had a qualifier in the finals three, four weeks later because they've decided to take a late qualifier. They've tried to cruise into the qualifier and then have ended up not qualifying for the finals because they just weren't where they needed to be. Yeah. So there is always that, that small element of risk when you've got that qualifying situation if you don't come in where you need to be. But, yeah, I mean... Um, I think one of the big differences as well is, though we do use the sort of heavy androgens, the more androgenic drugs, in show prep for bodybuilding, they're going to be much more exploited in a power powerlifting or strength scenario because that's where we're getting that strength kick. That's where we're getting that big strength boost from. Yeah. So you have a nice anabolic base, which is covering your recovery and everything else. And then you push towards the higher androgen stuff, like trend, like test, you know, test and ment and stuff, to drive that strength high coming into the show. But it's it's pulsating it into a peak. Whereas though we do that a little bit with bodybuilding, it's a bit more plateaued in steps rather than this rapid acceleration up and then drop down again. I have never seen bodybuilders take oral supplementation to the level that. I've seen power lifters take it. Like, I'm telling you, man, I'm like, you know what? How much D-ball do I take today for the meet? Well, how many do I have left? You know what I mean? I, I've literally seen that, like, handfuls, uh, it, it, which gets dangerous, man. And it's easy, I think, for us to kind of, like, have humor about that and, and kind of we can. It's easy for us to, like, poke holes in that logic from our position right now sitting here talking about it but it's a whole different world when you're the athlete and you're the one competing because we get competitive you know what i oh, mean yeah. and we're thinking to ourselves yeah man if i take that extra then it's gonna help me that much more yeah. you know if you if you think sat there you turn up and uh, and particularly if your first lift of the day doesn't go as smooth as you planned yeah um, or you've not done as well in, say, the first movement and you know you've got to make your total up in the next two, then there's, there's a very, very big drive to just open the tool bag and say how much I can put down my throat. Yeah. Um, and I, I would never, I, to be honest, in, in the same scenario, I'd probably be very close to doing the same. Right. Yeah, I can I can oh. see where the temptation would be. Oh, cool. You know? you know, when, when you start to think, well, if I take these extra drugs, it could be the difference between winning or losing. No, no one goes. To, no one goes to play to lose, do they? Everyone goes to play to win. Yeah, yeah. All right, we had a kind of a follow up here, a related question. Question for Big Dave and the Forearm King Scott. <laughs> I'm a female competitive international powerlifter, and I uh, and I am super supplement, and I am super supplement non oral. Okay, um, which non-oral super supplements would you suggest for female strength and supporting minimal weight gain so she's obviously in a weighted category she can't get any heavier uh, mm. test and mast at the moment um, can i please request you start giving more advice for females on the podcast please last time uncle dave was about to cover npp for females and flannel scott changed the subject haha -ha. Love the podcast and love you guys. 
Yeah, I mean, MPP, uh, though you may get some weight gain uh, with MPP, but MPP is very well tolerated by females. Injectable oxy is very well tolerated by females, but you've got to, this as well. You know, we, as males, and particularly within bodybuilding, but as males, we sort of, standard is going to be 50 milligrams of oxy. If you're a power lifter, you could be the 100, 150, even 200 milligrams. It's not uncommon. For a male. Yeah. As a female, we're, we're, we're 5, 10, 15, 25 at a push. Yeah. And um, that's going to be more than enough to move you. Uh, but she doesn't and, want and, to change the scale. She, you know, and she that's, 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 I was about to say, that's the downside with something like Oxy. You're going to be full of a house. And as a result, you're going to see some weight increase from it. Even though it's a beautiful power drug, it doesn't come without that fullness, which, and, and that fullness equates to water in the muscle. Yes, strength, but also weight. Um, trend, and a lot of people go, what, your avatar? No, it's dose-specific. You're you're down in the 15 and 20 milligram trend ace. Again, can be quite a nice little sweet spot for a female. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough road to walk there because mm. everything I'm thinking of that would be really good for strength, especially without adding additional weight, is also going to be a pretty strong androgenic, like Trend, mm. like mm. Halo, you know, things like yeah. that. Yeah, it is. And I've seen women get on very well with Trend when they've kept it around the 10, 15 milligram. Um, and it is, it's one of them, in this case, it's particularly, there is a sweet spot with it and go beyond that. And it seems to go off very, very quickly. But if you keep it nice and light, um it, it does have some impressive little results um i don't really know see i wouldn't i wouldn't be uh, no i mean we if we're going non-oral um i mean you can get injectable versions of the orals um i'd be interested to know why she wants to go non-oral because yeah. we're not going to avoid the liver problem if it's just a stomach issue, then obviously, yes, we do avoid that with an injectable oral. But if it's the liver issue, you're still going to get the liver stress because it's still going to be 17 alkylated. It's just going to be an injectable form. Yeah. I'm um, not sure what her deal is with that. And it all depends on how comfortable she is with the potential virilization as well. Met some ladies don't care. Yeah. In fact, I spoke to one powerlifter who was a world champion. Uh, and uh, we were discussing her drug use, and I said, have you ever spoken openly about it? I think it'd be interesting. And she just turned around and went, what? The fact that I've turned myself into a man to be strong. Hmm. And I wasn't even going there, but she was very open and very accepting of the visual changes okay. of what she'd done to herself in order to be the best at what she was. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, a lot of that is down to the individual as to, as a female, you know, where do you want to be with that? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a shift in that because I can think 15, 20 years ago, any woman who was getting involved with fitness wouldn't, that like a lot of women have historically been afraid of looking too masculine from just growing muscle, period. But, uh, you know, like our, our gear use uh, for females 15 years ago even 
was much different than it is today. Now mm-hmm. we have women who aren't, they don't care at all. They welcome, there are women out there who welcome the masculine side effects and they're like, hey, you know, this is where I stand in my life. This is what's important to me and I don't care. Or maybe they even want it, you know? Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a change in that. Um, I think, uh, not all, but I think some female, both strength and, and, and bodybuilding athletes, are less concerned about maintaining what we would class or what we would traditionally call femininity. You could argue what is that as well, because, you know, just because visually you start to have some hair thinning or some slightly maler characteristics, does it make you any less feminine? Well, visually it may make you look slightly less than a woman. doesn't mean you act any differently, though. Did you know that we have a trans community that watches our podcasts? No. Yeah, we do. We do. And even um, in Australia, one of our listeners is part of a, like a, it's some type of a community outreach. And he has kind of a booklet put together of resources. And we are listed as a, one of those resources for people to learn education about PEDs. Because there are people, there's a good number of people out there that are interested in transitioning that have very little understanding about you know what we term male hormones, you know male sex hormones, um, and they're getting their information for their purposes from guys like us. See, I would have thought TRT would be a good resource for transition because that's sort of where you're going to look to be at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, but they do run it higher. You know what I mean? I've seen like I'm. I'm like, that's the one thing I have no knowledge about is. What dose does it have to be if you are actively trying to transition? Yeah, so I've seen 200, 300 milligrams of SIP for a female transitioning to male. So it's it's up, but it's not astronomically up. It's not over the... I mean, there's plenty of guys. We we know plenty of guys that would class that as TRT or a cruise. Yeah, (laughs) I'd say I just... That's my cruise dose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I found that interesting. But definitely we do. And then um, when we were at Swiss, not this year, but the year before, uh, Victoria had met somebody who was who, who knew our show through their world of transitioning. Nothing to do with bodybuilding, but they knew who we were. I thought that that was crazy. But yeah, we do get people. So by the way, shout out to all the trans people who are watching the show right now. Uh, sorry that you're having to learn about that stuff from us, Dave. You know what I'm <laughs> <Yes>. saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? I have a lot of people who reach out to me on a regular basis who are trying to more effectively reach their goals. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is that they're not getting enough protein. And there's only so much chicken breast we can eat through the day, but we can easily add a high quality protein supplement to boost those numbers up. True Nutrition has just about every protein powder you can think of from high quality weight isolate. If you don't tolerate lactose, then you could use their beef isolate, or you could use their pea protein isolate if you don't eat animal products. They literally have everything you'd think of. I've believed in them for like a decade before they advertised with us. And they they never went out of their way to say like, hey, we want to promote our stuff through you. I literally asked them because it's a company that I believe in. And at the end of the day, I want to see you guys reach your goals as effectively as possible. So if you use our code, think at true nutrition, you'll get some savings. You'll help to support our programming and you'll get some high quality products to more effectively reach your goals faster. 
Uh, seriously, though, we do have a bunch of listener questions here. So I'm just going to see if I can start powering through some of these. Now, I don't know about this one from Casey. Casey uh, over on Patreon says, I've read that athletes will have HGH injected directly into the tendon that is injured to speed up the recovery process. He says, uh, will that help uh, with insulin for bodybuilders if you were to take it, he says, sub-Q in a muscle um, where you are training that day? I think he would mean IM into that muscle, not sub-Q because it's not into the muscle. But I, 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 I'm suspect of this whole question. The old sight enhancement thing has bounced around for decades. Um, we used to talk about sighting gear uh, as able to create some sight enhancement. And I believe it does, but not in the mechanisms that most people think. And, and we've discussed this numerous times. I feel it's more to do with the fact that you end up with some localized PIP that allows you to focus on that muscle group more, more effectively because your brain goes where the pain is. I believe that there is also an element of separation of the compound during injection. So you do get very slightly elevated concentrations of hormone at the site of injection. But yeah. I don't think there's a great deal of real-world carryover there. So I think the main advantage is the fact that the muscle you're trying to target, you can now feel because it hurts. And so your focus on that, your connection to that is much, much stronger. Um, I'm not aware of insulin having anything particularly direct. And to be honest, I think it will travel into the bloodstream and move pretty sharpish anyway. Yeah. Um, but there was some popularity around PGF2A and the proglastins for potential sighting. Um, I had a play with those drugs many, many moons ago. Um, they're not pleasant to get along with. Um, you generally do feel like dog's ass when you're using proglastins. Um, you can't get them anywhere near a female because she'll go into labor. Um, it's um, And you tend to shit yourself after you've injected as well. Um, yeah, they're, they're fun drugs. They really I, are. <laughs> I remember you telling us a story about that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, now I don't know if they worked. Now, I I used them predominantly in my arms for about two, three weeks. Okay. Um, and there's no denying I was known for having a big set of arms. Yeah. Whether that you still was do. linked, whether that was linked, or whether that's just because I've always had good arm development from day one, anyway. So, did it add to that that mix, or was it always going to be the case they were going to be where they were anyway? Yeah. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. So, I'm not really aware of anything that, that apart from the obvious SEOs, that that's going to create any decent sight enhancement. Yeah. Um, and the experimentation I did with PGF2A was amateurish at best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about that either. I do know that if you do take, I mean, you can use like Humulin R or Novalin R, you can use that IM and it will speed it up to mm. be 
I mean, you're going to have to, if you do that, you're going to need to think about your timing. That's for sure. Because anytime you put something directly in the muscle, it's going to hit your system faster. It'll act more like, in that case, Novolinar will act more like Humalog if used IM. So you'd have to be prepared for, you know, like a rapid onset of that insulin. Yeah, but the thing is, it's going to get into your bloodstream through the muscle so quick. I oh, yeah, not, I agree. It, there's not going to be a localized saturation of the drug in your muscle. That's going I'd to agree. sustain through training. So I don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah. How about this one? Uh, another question from Patreon. He says, question for Scott and Dave. Is PCT worth it for a 50-year-old plus male who already has low test? Experiencing... Uh, experiencing i think he means experimenting blast and crash currently <laughs> so not blast and cruise blast and crash um he says despite hcg and clomid um, as using uh, let's see the old time on time off isn't working for him let's see responders basically what what are your thoughts here is he going to need trt permanently uh, or is there going to be any benefit to doing PCT for a 50-plus-year-old male who already has low tests? I, I would potentially argue that there's probably not much chance. And if you're going to be going back to cycles on a regular basis, then, yeah, I, I would. Uh, I think there's a strong argument to say commit to TRT. Um, PCT... It's very unpopular these days. A lot of people shy yeah. away from it with all sorts of reasons and excuses. And there's nothing wrong with PCT if it's done properly. And there's nothing wrong with it if you structure your cycles and your training is decent. The The main difference is PCT gives you a choice. You know, if you, if you do a PCT, you have the opportunity to look at your recovery and then make a decision on whether you're going to go back on cycle and have the potential risk of lowering your test permanently because you'll see that your recovery is not as great as it was the time before. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there are guys I speak to on a weekly basis that, that I'm having to tell them, look, you're TRT dependent now. And they never envisaged that or wanted that. So where a lot of us, and, and I know I am, and I know you are Scott, when you mention TRT, it's like, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. We just do it. Yeah. But some people, being put in the position where TRT is now not a choice, it is inevitable, um, can actually be a big deal to them. So it is very much down to the individual. But if you're 50 with low test and you get a repetitive cycle, I would say why put yourself through the trauma of having that crash where, when it can be avoided by sensible management and TRT. So it does seem a bit of a pointless exercise in that scenario, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is nonchalant nowadays just to hop on PCT guys that are, you know, in I, I work with a lot of guys, males, and, and some of them are younger guys, early, early 20s that are already on, you know, the the TRT, the TRT game. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a long-term commitment. There's that, there's the, there's the fact you got to ask yourself, you know, like, do I want to take a medication for the rest of my life? I think that answering that question at 22 is different than answering it at 50 with low test, you know? Hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I would much rather not have to be on TRT, uh, but yeah. it is, you know, it is where it is, and I, I'm not complaining about it. But, you know, if there was a choice of 
press A, TRT, press B, natural, <laughs> I would actually go natural. Yeah. I, yeah. I would go back to being clean if, if I could do, but there's, there's a bad, there's not a snowflake chance in hell of me having any natural <laughs> tests anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me see what else we've got here. How about this one? Question for hugs and stuff. That's what he says. Um, any importance to probiotics while on TRT or on Cyclone? Been reading about the importance of gut biome and just curious about your guys' opinions. Um, also, any specific brands to look for um, that you would recommend? Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work and info. Gut health is important, full stop. I don't think there's any time or place where it's more important than other. It is important, full stop. TRT, cycle, natural, everything in between, transitioning, you know, everybody. Yeah, gut health is important, full stop. Um, It it plays such – I've got a client at the moment that we're we're having problems because his gut health has gone south. Uh, And we're having to pull everything back to try and fix it. Um, And he's had – a crap cycle has been completely unproductive um and it's not the drugs or anything else it's because his gut health's not right and so he's not been absorbing the food he's been eating and he's not been recovering as a reflect of that so yeah gut health is is super important um and from a actual brands i do like vsl3 um vsl3 it, it, it's actually used as treatment for pancreatitis um so our, our pancreas produces a lot of our digestive enzymes um and when people have problems with their pancreas they don't produce digestive enzymes so vsl3 is actually prescribed as a supplement to help with people who have low pancreatic function hmm. um and i find that very very good unfortunately it's not the cheapest yeah, I see $130 here. Mm. So does everybody need that level of health? I would say no. You know what I mean? Like, No, I mean, it's, I suppose a lot of it is like how, how healthy is your diet? How much in your diet have you taken into account fiber, healthy fats, yeah, fermented foods, things like that to make sure your gut health is good in the first place? Yeah, there's different in the thing, too. There's so many probiotics out there nowadays, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's become a thing, you know, five years ago, even it was a thing where you would start to see like, oh, this protein is fortified with probiotics. And, you know, this candy bar has probiotics in it, you know, and all these different there's all these different probiotics. They all do different things. Um, There's one that I've used with people. Victoria had suggested it in one case. It's really strong called uh, Gut Pro, and I think they changed the name now. But, I mean, it's not – here's the thing is some of those really strong probiotics, you think to yourself like, you know, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I want a good probiotic. I'll use that one because that's the best. But, like, if you don't need it, you know, that's like it, – it, you could you could in- interfere with your health, you know. I mean, some of this stuff, like you take too much of it or you take something you don't need and you're going to screw your digestion up. There's probiotics for lung function, probiotic for heart function, brain health, all these different things, you know. What was that? I don't know. Say, did you put that ringer in your phone? No. Did you intentionally set that phone up to make that sound? No, my phone didn't make any sound. I'm professional. I don't have my phone on in a podcast. Of course you don't. 
So no. are you telling me right now that if I were to call you, if I were to call you, Dave, would your mm-hmm. phone ring? No. My phone's on silent. See, my phone's on silent because I am professional. <laughs> um, there's one called Probiotic 10 from Now Foods. I like a lot of Now Foods products, and it's a mild one, a real mild probiotic. I've suggested that to people that already have like decent health and they just want to add something on top of it. It's usually like $30 for a couple months' supply. And I, I trust Now Foods. You ever use any of their products, Dave? It's not one I'm familiar with, to be honest. I don't even know if they're really over here. I, they are, but I think they're a little bit harder to find. They're 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 uh, cost super cost effective supplements geared towards bodybuilding, um, but you wouldn't know it if you looked at their labels. They invest like nothing into their labels, but they do have testing done on their products and stuff like that. So you're no, that's reassuring. There is, I mean, I don't think there's a huge amount of companies that actually invest in testing on products, not finished products anyway. Does Strom do a probiotic? He does something called Digestamax, which is a digestion improvement. I don't know if it's actually a probiotic or, to be honest, because I've never looked at it, so I couldn't tell you. So maybe it's more of an enzyme product. Hmm. Do you use digestive enzymes with your clients? If necessary. Yeah, yeah. I'm not not one of these. You get a lot of people both with supplements and drugs that it's a case of, here's your shopping list. Yeah. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I give clients some supplements and there are certain ones that I feel are necessary just because of the rigors of training. But um, I tend not to go too heavy unless we start getting problems and we need to. Um, if I can, I'll avoid supplements because my argument and my, my standpoint on it is the name says it all, they are supplemental. Um, so they should be there if they're required rather than this blanket of, well, take this, take that, take the other. I've actually seen people screw their gut health up because they're taking too many supplements. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and, I mean, some people must rattle the amount they take. They, you know, we, we ask when we do the blood testing what supplements people are on. We ask what gear they're on, what recreational drug use, if there's been any alcohol, and various other lifestyle things that we know impact the results. Yeah. Uh, and, and we ask supplements, and literally some are the whole product range nigh on of a certain company. You know, it's, oh, I take this, I take that. I take, Jesus Christ, your supplement bill must be 500 a month. Yeah. Yeah, when I go through somebody, like if I start with a new client, I'll usually just send them a voice memo about the supplements. If there's anything in there that I, because you'll see people, I ask them like, okay, well, why are you taking this? Why are you taking glutamine? Why are you taking that? You know, and a lot of times it's just like, well, I I heard it was good for, Mm. you know what I mean? Mm. No, you get a lot of that. Comfy Sweat says, although hearing about Dave's clinic hours and locations was stimulating, it was Uncle Dave's advice at the end of the pod that was the big win. Very relatable question and fantastic feedback. Do you remember that? Uncle Dave's advice at the end? I don't remember what we said. (laughs) It was about the guy um, having issues with like um, self-worth and Mm. uh, he had gotten into better shape, but he still feels like he's the same guy he had always been. Um, let's see. 
So a stuff question for the week. Been doing higher set density training with intensifiers recently, um, but don't have a training partner. What are Dave and Scott's favorite intensifier techniques like rest, pause, widow makers, partials, etc.? Um, when you always when you can't always get a spotter for forced reps, and does it depend on the exercise and muscle group? I definitely think muscle group and exercise plays a role because to an extent, certain exercises can actually become slightly dangerous when it comes to failure points. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to be failing on a squat if you don't have a good substantial rack that you're going to fail into. Um, I think a lot of people, and I'm not saying this is the case in this gentleman, but I think a lot of people don't realize what they're capable of and often fail mentally rather than physically. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of us would actually increase our intensity just by the fact that we went to physical failure and not mental failure. Oh, yeah. If, if you're not actually completing the rep and you're giving everything you've got, then you've failed. If you've completed the rep, then you haven't failed, you just don't think you can get another. And a lot of people think that an incompleted rep would be a waste of a rep. It's not, because all the time you're trying to complete that rep, you're engaging muscle fiber, you're stressing that muscle to do work, and as a result, you're stimulating growth. And it could be that, for argument's sake, on a set of bench where you struggle with that last rep and rack, just by lowering, even only going an inch or two off the chest into the next push, that gives you so much more stimulation than racking it at the point where you think you wouldn't get another. Obviously, if you're going to do that, you need to do it on a bench with crash bars because you need to be able to roll out of it at the end of it. Um, which machines can then come in quite useful for stuff like that because you can really push to the point of no return uh, and therefore still have an opportunity to, to not kill yourself under a bar. Um, I like drop sets, but I like drop sets with max weight effort. I don't like drop sets where it's I've done 12 reps and failed and then I'm going to drop. I want to be failing at three or four reps and then dropping. Drop sets are difficult without a partner um, because you've got to physically get out of the machine to change the weight. Very often you can't just do it from position or it means taking your hand off the bar or the handle when it disrupts where you are in the set so it isn't fluid. So I like, um, I do like rest pause, I must admit. Not so much, I, I prefer failure, maybe a five-second rest and then go again. Oh, that's real Rather, fast. Um, or a failure in a 10-second rest or a failure in a 15-second So what I may do is fail, five-second rest, probably get one, maybe two more. 10-second rest, probably get one. 15-second rest, probably get another one. And that sort of type of setup. I'm not a fan of intensity techniques that put loads and loads of reps on sets. Hmm. Because to me, that's not that's not intensifying the workout. That's just extending the workout. Hmm. So I think intensity fires need to be used around max effort stuff and maintaining max effort for an extended period of time rather than just creating a 50-rep set. Yeah. 
That's with the makers coming on legs and stuff like that, but it's not a, not a technique I would look at for say biceps or triceps or something like that. Yeah, on that rep range, I think uh, as Dante's talked about, age is a factor. You know, mm-hmm. so if his uh, rest pause might be three parts, we'll say twenty seconds between each segment. So you go to failure, then twenty seconds. Go to failure. 20 seconds, go to failure. So it's three failure points. Um, I think he had said to push those reps up for an older guy, guys over 40, to be more like, I think it was like shooting for like 15 or 20 on that first one. But that's more to not get hurt. That way you're not at a point where you're doing like a one rep partial set. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I like my my heavy my heavy working sets to be sort of six to eight rep range. Yeah, uh, the reason I keep my reps quite low is because I'm very thinky with my reps. I'm very visualization with my reps. So there's a lot of mental goes into the reps. Uh, I think too many guys bang reps out when you start getting into double digits. You start to get a bit of instead of this right contract. Yeah, you're thinking about the next five versus the one you're doing. Whereas I like to concentrate on the one I'm doing and try and get everything I can out of every single rep I do. Yeah. As a result, tempo is a little bit slower, yes. But also, you're you're not going to maintain that for high numbers of reps because your concentration is not going to stay. And so my reps do tend to be lower, but I'd like to focus more on a, a, a very high quality rep and a very high level of engagement in the reps I do. Um, I just, uh, for me personally, I find when you start getting above 15, quality of movement starts to deteriorate. And and like when you see people doing Widowmakers, I mean, there's, there's sets of 20 reps. They're a decent volume set for legs, and they definitely can be productive. But you'll very rare see anyone do a Widowmaker to failure. Um, because they're usually more focused on banging the reps out that they don't realize they've still got loads in the tank. Um, so I tend to find that people struggle to go to failure, proper failure, with the high numbers. And, and hear me out here, because I know you're looking at me all weird. Um, <laughs> it's easy to fail with a heavy weight because your failure point comes quite obviously. Yeah, it does. Because the, weight, the load is high. When the weight's lighter and you can get more reps, you actually tend to fail or stop before you truly fail because fatigue, lactic acid, burn, everything else builds up and mental fatigue rather than the fact that you can't actually move that weight for another rep. Yeah, I've Um, seen that, sure. And I find a lot of people that when they're in the high numbers going to failure, they've actually got at least two, it's not usually more, in the tank, particularly on legs, that they just don't want to tap into because the discomfort level's so high at this point because of the burn and the pump and everything else they've got going on. Yeah. Yeah, that is my jam though. I, I like I like real failure in legs in that higher rep range. I found that to be my place that I lived. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it is something that you're gonna have a harder time teaching somebody. I had a picture too. Look at this. Who's this guy? Who's that guy? Don't, don't know. You don't know him? Mm-hmm. Some bloke from the UK? Yeah, shit, Scott. <laughs> How many plates was that? One, two, three, four, five, eight, six, seven, eight? 
eight mm-hmm. plates. Was that one rep or how many reps did you get there? I honestly can't remember. Uh, I think I might have torn my hamstring on that. I think I tore really? my hamstring on, on, on one at reps, yeah. Kidding me. I think that's why I've got a picture of it because that's what happened. I'm not sure. Huh. It's crazy looking. It's very impressive looking. It's a good picture. I, I remember getting told off by the gym owner for that set. Oh, dude, yeah. I was going to say, look at that bar. Did you permanently bend that bar, I wonder? No, it wasn't that. It was because I was using two spotters. He went mental. He says, what the hell are you using two spotters when you've got a rack? They're more likely to injure you than the dropping the weight is. And he was right. Yeah. <coughs> huh. All right. How about this one? Um, oh, just a nice comment. He says, been listening to you guys for a long time. Thanks for the education, P-E-D-U-cation, hmm. and banter. Respect, Dave and Scott. Peducation. I like that. Mm-hmm. How about aromasin? How often should it be dosed? I'm finding mixed answers. I'm seeing every other day or every three days would twice per week be fine for steady yes. levels. Yes. Yeah. Aromasin's a mild drug. So the reason you find people using it more frequently is because they want to bring the dose up. And rather than take two tablets twice a week, they'll take a tablet every other day. Um, of all the AIs, it's the mildest. You've yeah. got aromasin, then ADEX, and then, well, probably Viron actually is the mildest. Uh, and then you've got aromasin, ADEX, and then obviously that's result at the top of the pile. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's fine, a, 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 a split twice a week, yeah. I feel like Masteron has buried Proviron. Well, I, I mean, I would say Masteron is probably as effective as Aromacin as an AI. If um, some people it's more serm like, but but it, it's I see some pretty pretty low estrogen numbers when people are running Master Primo with their with yeah. their test. But you know what I mean, though. Like years ago, guys would run a cycle, be off season or prep. And they'd find a reason to add Proviron in, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I take 50 Proviron for libido or, you know, estrogen control or whatever their reasoning was in contest prep. It was like for that added hardness. But nowadays, I feel like cost to benefit cost wise, you, you know, just get on some Masteron. Let's be truthful. It's a crap drug. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's got its uses, but not when you're talking about putting muscle mass on. It's a waste of time. Oh, I want to lower my SHBG. It's going to be low anyway. Why bother with provider on? You're sticking a load of money down your toilet. You don't need to bother with. We don't even have it for available for prescription here in the U.S. Is that even a scripted they, drug? I don't even know they do over here anymore. To be honest. Yeah, they used to for libido. I thought specifically. Yes, it, it was specific. Well, it was specifically to increase free tests. That's that's where it was around. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about this one? Let's see. I had to open this one up, take a better look at it. it says. Um, I also right. do think going back to Proviron right quickly. I do think the quality of Proviron's gone down the toilet. Really? Yeah, I think a lot of stuff that's out there is garbage now. I showed you my Proviron bottle that I had. That was the, I don't know where it went. It was still floating around here since that day. It was literally a 20, 20 cap or 20 tablets came in that little tiny amber colored bottle. And I got two boxes of them. 
That was like 2005. And you still got them. Still got the bottle, yeah. Mm. Um, says, hi, Scott. Uh, I've got to say, this golden episode has been informative for my knowledge. Thank you to you both. Uh, he says, just to reiterate from that episode, um, where one asked the question whether there is a value in taking time off after 12-week cycles before starting TRT, Dave advised that a time off for 500 milligrams a test should be two to three weeks. Does he mean uh, within that time off, a person should not take HCG as well? For example, I did 15 weeks of tests, uh, test uh, at 500 per week plus uh, HCG each week. Should he should he stop that HCG during that time no, off? No, you can run that through. Yeah. Yeah, you can run that through. It's not it's not going to have any major impact at those sort of doses. You can run it through. Yeah, I mean it is going to it is going to produce some level of test, but small, right? I don't think it. The thing is, you're still going to be suppressed for at least the initial ten days anyway, because your levels are still going to be artificially out. So you're not going to see much apart from ITT for the first couple of weeks. He's going to go to TRT anyway, so I yeah. don't know what his reasoning was. Maybe it was for fertility or something. Yeah, maybe fertility. Uh, some people do it cosmetically because they want to maintain some sort of testicular size. Oh, we had a question too. Guy asked us, he said he was a lineman. And I was like, I don't know what a lineman is. Does that mean production line? So we had about 30 people respond. Scott, a lineman isn't a production line worker. It's an electrical, an electrician lineman. So it's somebody who climbs on power lines. See, now I believe you have linemen on the railways as well. I believe there's a position on the railways known as a lineman. A lineman. Mm. And in football, right? American football, offensive linemen, right? You don't know much okay. about American football, do you? I know a little bit. Did you ever hear of a team called the Detroit Lions? Yes. So they're really popular nowadays here because I guess they were doing really well. I don't follow football, but everybody had signs in their yards for the Detroit Lions this past week, and I guess they lost. Victoria looked at the score. It was like 24-3, to and it was in the third quarter or something, and somehow – ended up being like 25 to 23. Like they made a huge comeback and took the Lions out of the Super Bowl. So there's that. I used to play right tackle. Did you really? Mm. When was that? Oh, oh, 35, six years ago. <laughs> Where were you? Because like that's not something you guys do in the UK, is it? Yeah, I was in Blackwood, New Jersey. Blackwood, New Jersey. How old were you at the time? Triton Regional High School. Oh, you were a kid. Mm. What the hell were you doing? I didn't realize you were in high school in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. How did you how did you maintain your accent? It's it's a long story involving turnips. What? I'm getting no, more not. confused. No, it's not. I know it's a uh, um I I did like um it was like a cha exchange program, but basically it was one way. So what happened was you went to the States for a year 
and you attended an American school and everything else, and then you could host a student coming to UK the year after if you wanted to, and that's what they tried to encourage. So I went to stay with a family in Blackwood, New Jersey. Lovely people. Uh, I went to Triton Regional High School, but I did not complete it. I ended up going home early. Why, Dave? What did you do wrong? You got in I trouble, did didn't you? Wrong. No, you I got did in trouble. Wrong. They kicked you out of the country hmm? for your first time. Actually, I um, so the Marines came to the school for like a selection day. Yeah, and and we had to do like the physical stuff to see if you'd qualify for entering the Marines, and they they actually wanted me to join because I did everything they knew they wanted us to do. Yeah. Um. And I was like, I can't. I'm English. And he said, oh, that's not a problem. We'll sort that. We'll sort that. <laughs> we'll get you going. Don't you worry, buddy. I often wonder what would have happened if I'd have just said yes at that point and made that decision. And you stayed in the Marines? Do you think we'd be doing this podcast right now? I wonder. I don't know. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Where would life... I mean, I'd have obviously stayed in America because I'd have been given citizenship for being in the Marines. But yeah, yeah, it does make you wonder what would have, what, how life would have taken a very different journey. They, uh, I, I, I heard uh, that the uh, military um, doesn't require a GED anymore. You don't have to have a high school diploma or a GED to uh, to get into the military. Now, that's a new change from what I understand, and it makes me wonder about a lot of things, which I don't want to say on YouTube because I don't want to make it a political <laughs> show. But if they're trying to make it easier to get in, why do they want more people joining? Just, I just think throwing that I, out there. If it's anything like the UK, the the armed services have struggled to encourage recruitment yeah. a lot. It's just not something that people want to do anymore. Okay. Um, and I think that... I think a lot of military services are struggling this, particularly those that don't have a compulsory service. You guys don't have a compulsory service, right? No, no. Okay. I, I don't think it's a bad idea, but no, we don't. We actually, our military numbers are very, very low. Um, and there is some concern that we actually don't have the capability to defend ourselves anymore if we ever needed to. Huh. Well, you got us. Don't worry about it. No comment. <laughs> um, when I was at FIBO, uh, the German military had a booth there, and they had a big booth. It was like one of those booths that took up a whole section of the expo hall, and they had um, all sorts of obstacles and like a little air gun section, and you had to like go in, and you there was like different sections where you'd like go in with a drill sergeant. And you had to sign some waivers and stuff. And then they would make you do jumping jacks and push-ups and stuff like that. And then you'd go on to the next section and you'd do a bunch of other things. And I wanted to do it. And I actually, I got in line. I was going to do it and see if I could get involved. Imagine, Dave, if I would have joined the German military. I don't think they would have taken me in 2022. <laughs> I'm too old for no, all that. Just say that you're too old. I'm going to say yeah. don't, don't, don't have a geriatric division, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Let me see what else we got here. I just hit the wrong button with my keyboard and all that excitement. Um, Testo gel for TRT purposes. What do you guys think? 
There's nothing wrong with it. it it's got a bad rep. Uh, people don't like it. People shit on it all the time. And there's actually nothing wrong with it. My availability can be difficult, so it would depend on you as an individual. But I've I know some people that run gel, and they 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 get on really well with it, sustain really good levels, and it's probably as close as you're going to get to sort of natural fluctuations of your testosterone. Yeah. Because it's a daily peak, um, which is what we get. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fine. But if you're one of those people that just don't absorb it very well, then it's never going to work for you and you'll have to move on to something else. But uh, if you can get the levels out of it, there's nothing wrong with it. It'd be a great way to, to it'd be a great way to cruise between cycles. I see all these guys that are having issues with their hematocrit because they oftentimes they aren't bringing their dose down low enough, but they're not doing the things we've talked about, like taking time off that two weeks off, let your mm-hmm. levels clear. But the reality is, is that on test gel, um, those guys are not having the same issues with hematocrit as guys that are using injectables. So no, you don't get that high peak. It'd be, it, yeah, it's not just staying there in that stagnant level. So yeah, it could be a benefit versus old man's testosterone level is going to be pretty stagnant. You know, it's just going to be across the board versus with the gel. You're getting those daily spikes, just like a youthful male. It, I think you may even feel healthier and better long term. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Um, if I were in 500 test, 500 primo, 250 NPP, how would you transit transition from a bulk to a cut? changing doses and compounds um i know dave is not a fan of primo uh, but i never tried it also um how long should you come off cycle before gyno surgery so two two completely different questions um have it from teen years just gonna get rid of it happy new years guys and thanks for everything well i'll drop the mpp um the test and primo, to be honest, would work for a cut, but I'd probably bring the test down a little bit, depending on where his estrogen's sitting. Um, primo's going to keep estrogen relatively low, so test 350 maybe. You could keep the primo at five, but I'd also be like, how long have you been on totally? Because if you've already done an extension period as a bulk, I wouldn't be wanting to go straight into a cut. Yeah. Without some consolidation time, and I wouldn't want to be going straight into a cut and sticking another 12 weeks at the back end of a already 12, 14 week cycle length. So they would definitely be things I'd be considering. I mean, you could cut on that cycle um, because at the end of the day, as long as your estrogen's managed, you're not going to have huge negatives from that, and, and your cut's going to be more around your expenditure and your intake as long as you're not running sky-high levels of issue. Yep, I'm with that. It really, it's going to just come down to changes in food. Really, I mean, the same cycle would be fine. I've seen guys do the exact same cycle for a cut, you know? Hmm? Hmm? No problem with that. We had a lot of Detroit Lions fans apparently watching. Nick was sad that the Lions lost. And Lynn was also sad that the Lions lost. How about that? I'm not. Yeah, I am from Detroit and I'm not really I'm indifferent, I guess. Let me see if we have anything else. I know we have some we have to get to Dave's I, uh section. Can we week. just at this point cut back to my earlier comment 
regarding Scott, please, after that comment he's just made about not being interested in football? Do I have to be interested in football? Oh, are you mean from the beginning of the show? Yes. I used to be a football the evidence, fan as a kid. Scott. Evidence, Scott. It's just evidence. That's <laughs> it's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, seeing if we have anything else here. Anything else that we missed? Uh, TRT, PCT. Uh, wow, we went through a thousand questions quick. I know. We're really fast at this, Dave. We've been doing this for years. That's why. Um, tell, tell me about it. I feel every second of it. Uh, where do you stand? Here, here's one we didn't get from Patreon. Where do you guys stand on stem cells? I wouldn't. They're not going to be very good to use after you've stood on them. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Dad joke. Um, I don't know much about stem cells. I am very ignorant on the subject, and I really should know more. So I'm opening this one over to you, because you speak to Clever Scott, and you've probably talked about this. We should get you some stem cells, Dave. It could be beneficial. could be good for your heart, even. Who knows? Mm, I do believe they're quite pricey. Yeah, they're not cheap, but you're worth it. You're worth it to me. Let's get Dave some stem cell stat. Right, so let's do a GoFundMe for Dave's stem cells. (laughs) We don't know what they're going to do for him, but we're going to find out. They're going to buy me a new car is what they're going to do for me. Yeah, you could get a new car. You could get stem cells. Which would you pick, Dave? You know what? I I was talking to a guy who went for stem cells, very wealthy man. He went to stem cells for reduced kidneys, for trying to repair his kidneys. And he said he did absolutely bugger all, but his hair grew back. Really? Huh. Mm. Well, he said a full head of hair. He said it was the most expensive hair pieces of the (laughs) ball. (laughs) So I've known uh, people who have done stem cells. I did a decent amount of research myself. So... In the U.S., uh, stem cells aren't as good from what I've learned. They're using embryonic stem cells. And in the U.S., we are not allowed to expand stem cells. Basically, put them in a Petri dish and blow them up, grow them. So you're getting a limited number if you're in the U.S. The places to go are like Columbia, I guess, has some good stem cells right now. Uh, Dr. Khan, I believe is his name is doing them out of, I believe it's out of Colombia. But Colombia and um, Panama are the two places. And the best stem cells are the ones they take from your own bone marrow, from what I understand. They take them from your body, and then they expand them. You sit on the beach and hang out for a few days, and then they pump them back in you. I I don't know if this is true. I heard that Ukraine was very up on stem cells, and they'd actually been some big scandals about um, infants going missing out of hospitals, newborns going missing out of hospitals, and the parents being told that they were deceased and that they'd been taken away for... This was the the story. I don't know how true it was. Uh, And it was driving this big stem cell conspiracy theory. Crazy. Huh. I Probably a lot of bollocks, but it just jumped into my memory then because you were talking about stem cells. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've, I have seen people do really well with them though. I've seen people get benefits and, um, I would be curious to see how I did with them. Honestly, you know, after getting that long flu, um, I'd be curious to know, like if we did, cause you can do them like directly into a joint, right? Like you could, you could get your shoulder fixed with stem cells. That's one thing you could do. 
the key is is you have to be able to take time off too. So if you if you say have repetitive use injury from doing overhead press, right, and then you get stem cells, but you keep doing that movement, like you're going to need three months off, from what I understand, in order to let things actually heal. So there's that, and then they also do them IV, so you get stem cells through your entire body, and they're using that for for you know major health issues. Um, so I, I have seen people that have had some success, but yeah, man, it's expensive to do it right. That's the problem. I, when you said you get them in a joint, I just had this vision of someone sat there rolling up a joint with stem cells. In. Here, bro, take a hit of these stem cells. <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. Oh, I'm tired. Leave me alone. <laughs> so I know you're tired, Dave, but there are people who've tuned in and they've waited this entire program just to hear dave's uncle dave's advice of the week there's only two people watching well there's probably only there's there are going to be two more people that download we, this we had six and when you started talking about stem cells everybody buggered off what about so what about oh, the two dude. people that are going to download this episode off of youtube and they're going to watch oh. it later all right okay um dave's i oh god i'm struggling today why are you, why are you struggling dave tell me about it just uh, what's going I, on buddy a lot of work at the moment, which is good. Don't get me wrong. Um, we've had the busiest month we've ever had with Eval. We've broke all his records uh, mm. for like week numbers, day numbers, everything this month. We're making all this money, and life is so hard. No, it's well. I'm not seeing any benefit for that. I'm paying for the <laughs> bloody Arnold's. Oh, okay. Oh, because um, you, you're gonna have a booth there. Yeah, uh, you're kidding but, me. No, but. Um, no, so it's just that, and then I've got that big report on and everything. It's just so it's just been a lot of work, so and I haven't been sleeping too well. Um, right, Dave, advice, dad, advice, dad, advice, dad, advice. Dad, advice is reach out to Mutant and tell them, hey, if you're from the UK, and say, hey, I can't wait to see the Mutant booth at the Arnold UK, and I'm especially excited to meet Scott there. Tell it, tell them, Mutant, that. Uh, yeah, but you're not coming to the mutant booth at the UK because Jamie the Giant's on it and not you. Um, but if they maybe if they write mutant and they say that, then they'll be like, "Oh, we got to take Scott. Everybody in the UK loves Scott," you know. But they know that was a lie. <laughs> I'm trying to nobody, buy you time. Okay, nobody over here likes you. Hey, I have more friends in the UK than you do. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, that's not hard, is it? I mean, I've, he's got more friends than I have. I have two. Two friends yeah. in the UK. All right. I've not got one. Well, it's I've twice got one as many. It's the wife, and she has to be my friend because she's married to me. She, she no promised. Choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> time. You did this one. Have I done time? About wasting time. I don't know. I, I just said that off the gate because you have talked about time before, but. Yeah, we're, no, not we're... particularly about time, but I it, it's something that I think we all do. We all complain we don't have time for things. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. And yet we waste so much of it. I, I'm terrible for it. I'm terrible for picking up my phone uh, and I'll answer a few messages and claim it's work and then I end up doom scrolling. And before I know it, there's half an hour gone when I could have been... And then I'm complaining I don't have time to do my cardio or I don't have time mm. for this. And it's like, well, if I'd just not bothered with that, I could have got everything done. So, yeah. and I think I think we're all bad for this. I think we're all bad for, you know, the time we waste 
on things that we think are good for us, are enjoyable, and actually aren't productive in any way, shape, or form, including enjoyment. Yeah. Like doom scrolling on social media and stuff like that, when we could actually be putting that time to doing something that's both enjoyable and beneficial. Like hanging out with your friend Scott. Yeah, maybe not so much that, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just I think I think I, it was something. So Charlie, who owns Ultraflex, I asked him a question some time ago about how does he? Because I say I struggle to manage the work, client, and family sort of balances, and he said he's what he does is he has a, a strict sort of almost books time for family yeah he says but what he does in that time is he makes sure it is family so if he's with family the phone's not there he doesn't get distracted by it uh, and i've always found that very difficult to do because there's always another message there's always i mean what 10 11 12 13 13 messages and two phone call three phone calls i've got to deal with after just for being on the podcast well one of those phone calls was me Oh, that's true. Yeah, one of them was you. So two phone calls, yes. Um, but the truth is, if if I get up and get on and, and don't get distracted with anything, I do have enough time for everything. And I think we all do. It's just about being better at managing it and not losing time through stupid stuff. You know, you get up, you have a shower, you sit on the end of the bed, you spend 10, 15 minutes on your phone, you do another 10 somewhere else, another 10. Before you know it, you've got an hour that could have actually been an hour of you enjoying something you like or doing something productive to get yourself forward or spending it with family yeah. that you've completely lost in the day. It Yeah. We do need time to unplug, though. You know, so like just to but argue that a little point. bit. Yeah. Yeah, but that my point is you're not unplugging when you've, about with this piece of shit yeah could- I, I i get what you mean and i'm with you 100 percent. but it's like it's hard to be just plugged into that schedule of not having those like five minutes to yourself of but that's mindless, point- mindless scrolling you know yeah but so you could have five minutes to yourself but it could be five minutes of mindfulness which is going to benefit you much better and you're going to feel much better for it than five minutes of staring at some one-legged fucking idiot trying to balance a pancake on his forehead what do you look at on your social media oh, I've never i look seen at that some guy. weird <laughs> <laughs> it's mainly cars to be honest but it is it's just like you end up just mindlessly scrolling through crap and it's like you know what you can do so much more with this and i'm not on about being super productive or learning a new skill or focusing on work i'm just on about maybe just having 15 minutes of quiet relaxation yeah. with yourself yeah. Or, or, you know, so not necessarily things that, yeah. Uh, and I think you'll find you feel much better for it. Yeah. So I, I got a challenge for everybody then. How about this? Take five minutes of intentional, mindful, what would you call it, Dave? Time to mindful. I th- yeah, mindfulness, I think, is a, a bit of a corny one because it's used a lot. But Yeah. I think if you spend 10 minutes two to three times a day of just sitting, relaxing, and letting the world piss off, you'll actually find by the time you get to the end of the day, you're far less stressed. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. You're probably right about that. Last time we went down the boat, so we had a a new sofa delivered. Um, Really weird little thing. Um, It's called a snug. 
and it comes in bits and it all fits together, but there's no screws or anything. It's all interlocking and it created a really nice sofa, actually. Really? And it was sat just under one of the skylights at an angle and the sun was just beaming down on it. And, you know, for just 10 minutes of just sitting there doing nothing in sunlight was fantastic. It, it was worth hours of something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's weird how you can just glean these little little moments out of a day that just recharge you and make the day so much easier to get through. So five minutes. I'm going to challenge everybody to five minutes of mindful time to yourself today. Ten minutes is a lot. It's a lot to ask to start. It's surprising how long it is when you're doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. That sounds good. I like that advice. Guys, uh, of course, go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave and Strom Sports Nutrition. For all you folks in the UK, is Strom going to be at the Arnold UK as well? I don't think so, no. no? Okay. I think he's he's against it because it's not cheap, which it isn't bloody cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you, if, if you do place an order with Strom, what do they tell, uh, what do they write in the order notes again, Dave? Something about... Um, the, uh, Rich smells, Dave and Scott are fantastic. Yeah, put something like that, mm. and uh, you know, though Richard will get that message, and uh, we'll we'll appreciate it. It'll be a good joke. It'll be a good joke. Also, to uh, check out truenutrition.com, use our code Think over there. As I've always talked about, hit me up if you have any questions about them. And supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. They have great deals that change week to week, including deals on Avidran. Legal, totally legal in the UK, or excuse me, in it's not. Is it legal? Can you guys get uh, Avidran over there? No. Nope. No, just not, Canada. Not, not, not retail, no. Special Canada products. And, uh, of course, uh, Patreon. We had a bunch of Patreon questions, and we'll have more next time because of you. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you soon for another episode of the podcast with Dave Crossland. See you soon. Bye, Dave. Bye. <laughs>